Welcome to the Religious Renegade Podcast. My name is Christina Carlson, and I am a life coach, podcast host, and ex-evangelical. On this podcast, I am dedicated to sharing stories and having conversations that honor what we have been through while looking to the expansiveness of the future that has so many possibilities. I love nuance and mystery and do not live in the black and white, so you may discover new ways of seeing things, new ideas, and some things that may stretch you a little. My wish for you in listening to this is that you envision a more expansive future for yourself while feeling seen for who you are and where you have been. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Today's episode, you will be hearing from Janice Formicella who is a breakup coach. She trained at the same coaching academy that I did, Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy. Um, That is how we got connected. And on a call, we discovered that she is ex-Mormon and has left the LDS church, um, which is how we got started talking and ended up doing this interview. She is an incredibly authentic person who has been through a lot of experiences and a lot in the process of leaving her religion of her birth. Um, I really think that you'll enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed talking with her and hearing about her experiences of going through um, being cut off from her family and going through a divorce, leaving her home with nowhere to go. Uh, all of these experiences and and honestly just seeing what uh, an intuitive person she is. She's someone who has followed her natural curiosity and intuition in spite of the environment that she grew up in and it's a really beautiful thing to see. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. Thank you. Janice, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Um, I would love for you to start out just by telling us your name and who you are, what you do in the world right now. I would love that as well. My name is Janice Formicella. I am a breakup and dating coach and the co-host of the X-Files podcast, which is a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. Amazing. (laughs) And Janice, what is your spiritual religious background? Well, the spiritual slash religious background that I am here to talk about today is that I am a post-Mormon, and an ex-member of the LDS church. I was, you were the first person on this podcast who is being interviewed from Latter-day Saints and Mormonism. So I'm mm-hmm. very excited to hear your story. Um, can you talk about just like what that meant for you growing up personally? Like as a little kid, what was your impression of your religion? Well, growing up, obviously it was all that I knew. Um, so the LDS church slash Mormonism is considered to be a high demand religion. Some people refer to it as a cult and believe very strongly that it is. And I bring that up just because it was very all encompassing. (laughs) Like all aspects of my life, I really felt were controlled or had to do with with our religion very much. Um, You know, morning scripture study and prayer 
our friends, where we went to school. I always like to say like my dentist and my doctor <laughs> were both <laughs> were Mormon. Um, we certainly, you know, were very, very, very much encouraged to only socialize with other members of the church, you know, three hour services on Sunday, church in the middle of the week as well, you know, prayers before all the meals. So it was just kind of all that I knew. But yeah, I did definitely have an understanding that we were, I guess, a bit different as well. So I did know that for sure. Um, I remember one of my earliest memories, and I think the time that I realized that I was Mormon and that it was, you know, kind of a, a different way of life than the people on the outside was the first time I was ever invited to a birthday party when I was in kindergarten and it was on a Sunday and oh. we don't uh, do anything on Sunday. We're pretty strict about keeping the Sabbath. And so mm. I was so excited and I run home and I show my parents the invitation and they said I couldn't go. And I cried and cried and cried. And yeah, that was when I first realized that our way of life was a bit, a bit different. Um, mm. I was very religious growing up. I never really thought not to be. What was their, what was their reasoning or explanation for you at the time for why you couldn't attend the birthday party? Because we honor the Sabbath. Okay. Yeah. So did, mm -hmm. did that make sense to you in any sense or were you just pissed about it? <laughs> Not when I was five, it didn't make any sense. All, you know, all I knew when I was five is that I couldn't go. But yeah. after that, it was definitely something that you just took for granted that you wouldn't be doing anything on, on Sunday. Not, you know, we're not supposed to spend money, do homework. And I mean, I didn't even really resent it. It was just something that we, that we did. And I did mm -hmm. come to understand why for sure. I would say that I I respected the fact that we had one day that was holy. Mm. When was the time when you felt like you went from that, like there's these rules and everything to, to this religion is like personal for you or, or did you have that time? I would say that that type of understanding came fairly early on. One of the big tenets of the LDS church is you know, that you're responsible for your own salvation and that it's just like a continual work in progress to make sure that you're at a good standing with God and with the church when you die so that you can be reunited with your family in the afterlife. And if you don't, then you will be completely cut off, cut off from each other. And that was something that I had a strong desire for was to be, you know, we call it the celestial kingdom. Yeah. And I knew, I would say probably, well, first you get baptized when you're eight. And then when you're 12, you start to get into the programs for young adults. And it was probably by that time that it really started weighing on me quite heavy, that I needed mm. to be, you know, very strict with um, the standards. And I also think that it was about that time that I probably started going to confessional as well. So for, okay. for sure by 12 or 13. Um, so did you have a choice for baptism at eight or is that just a mandatory thing with your family? Well, this is the interesting thing about the LDS church is the reason why we get baptized when we're eight is because of the belief that at eight years old, you can decide for yourself if you want to get baptized. This is nothing that I comprehended or 
thought that I had a choice over. I mean, it, you definitely at eight. Yeah. Do it. I mean, <laughs> I've never known of an eight-year-old to refuse or decide that they don't want to get baptized. But that's the the concept or the theory is that you okay. can. But I mean, of course, it's expected of you. Yeah, I know. Like, I know what it's like growing up in a particular system. Like, you kind of adopt it because you have to to survive. <laughs> like. And you're operating within all of that when it became your own. And when you started attending, um, you said youth services or like that mm-hmm. initiation yeah. at, and got serious at 14. What, what did your religion mean to you as far as like your place in the world and like your yeah. personal reason, mm-hmm. quote unquote, for being there? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it's 12 when you start going. Okay. Um, yeah, you're pretty young. I think my reason for going, I, so we're taught that it's the only true church. And so to also uh, another requirement for getting to the highest level of kingdom of heaven, excuse me, would be to be Mormon. <laughs> and so I definitely had pride. I had comfort in the knowing that I had been blessed to be born into it. A lot of good came out of my journey out of Mormonism, and I gained a lot from that. But I wouldn't say that I've taken too much with me that I'm that I'm thankful for, unfortunately. That's that's perfectly reasonable and understandable. Um, I'm I'm curious then, like what, like what was your first inkling that something might not be quite right for you in that system? So. Whenever I'm asked this, I always want to make sure that I say that I felt growing up that I had a strong understanding and a strong knowing that I had more curiosity about the outside world than my peers. I was, Mm. I really knew that. Mm. And, you know, for instance, I always saw myself going away to college. I always, you know, Mm. kind of had this romantic idea that I'd moved to New York for a while. I always wanted to travel. I was just generally curious about things that were not Mormon. And I, Mm. you know, I always like wanted to go to college and work for at least a while. I know that a lot of my, you know, female friends, that wasn't a desire of theirs. So there was a little bit in me that probably predisposed <laughs> um, my being open to eventually leaving. And what did it how- feel like to be in that community with, like, as a curious person and have nobody around you responding in a similar way? A little challenging. Yeah. Um, just kind of feeling not validated, definitely not feeling supported which was yeah. something that still still to this day, looking back, I feel that there was a big lack of, you know, people, you know, my elders were not, you know, really rooting me on, <laughs> you know, to go out and, you know, achieve my dreams and think big. And so, yeah. uh, yes, that I guess was, was a bit frustrating for sure. Um, in fact, that is kind of what ultimately was the beginning of the end for me was getting to the end of high school and having all of these ambitions and wanting to apply for um, multiple colleges and go and have this college experience um, away from the community. It was extremely stifling, extremely. Mm -hmm. I also lived in a very, very small town with, Mm -hmm. you know, in a Mormon community. My parents were very, 
very strict, <laughs> like very orthodox LDS. Um, even my LDS friends thought that they were strict. So <laughs> I really, I was really looking forward to just kind of experiencing a, adulthood. Mm. I never fathomed leaving the church at all, but I just really wanted to have a little bit of freedom, a little bit of, you know, breathing room, <laughs> kind of just um, be on my own just a bit. Almost like looking for more more space for yourself because it yeah, sounds like I knew, you, you weren't given any. No, no. And I knew that even though, you know, I was just a kid, I, I understood that it was quite controlling. So when I got to the point of applying for colleges and being, you know, really filled with a lot of excitement over this coming up, it was then that I was told for the very first time in my life from my parents that they were only going to pay for and support me going to an LDS college, or I could stay at home and go, you know, to a state school. Mm-hmm. That was not an option for me. <laughs> I really, really knew that I wanted to get out of that house. And so I mean, I felt like my only option was to go to a church school. Never even thought about the possibility of doing that. It it was no interest of mine at all. But, you know, what am I going to do? I wanted to go away to college. So it's Brigham Young University. Many people are going to be very familiar with it. And the one that I got into was BYU-Idaho. So again, not what I had in mind for my college experience. <laughs> you're doing uh, of New oh, York, New York, and yeah, you're going to Idaho. <laughs> right. So yeah, the school, I had been interested in New York. I had been interested in Boston. And then mm. I think what got me at the time and still gets me today is my safety school or the school that I was kind of starting to lean more towards was an Arizona school. Um, I really wanted to go to NAU, Northern Arizona University, three hours away from my family, still in Arizona, still had, you know, lots of um, Mormons, which was actually a draw for me, <laughs> kind of ironically. Right. And um, <laughs> and my, my parents just weren't going to have it. And, you know, so instead of having me just three hours away, you know, we're, it was more important for them that I moved to Idaho so that I could go to a church school. Hmm. And I did find that very, a bit um, disheartening and, uh, you know, also hurtful. So, yeah. So instead of any of that, no, no Flagstaff, no New York, it's this tiny, tiny town in, in Idaho. <laughs> also, I was raised in Arizona. It was blizzard central and it was just not for me. Anyone who would have known me at the time knew that I wasn't going to fit in. It was not what I was after (laughs) at all. And I I was absolutely miserable. Absolutely Mm -hmm. miserable. I hated it. I had always gotten good grades in high school, honor roll, all of it. I was, you know, struggling to even pass my classes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, started self-harming. My entire system just completely rebelled against me being there. Mm. So I did last though a year and a half, but it was during that year and a half, just completely immersed in, you know, day in, day out, Mormon culture, Mormon, everything. It was even more strict than living at home. I am not kidding you. It Mm. was 
everything is really highly monitored. You are required, you know, to live in school approved housing. You know, there's bed checks, there's like 10 p.m. curfew. It was so nuts. And I knew that it was nuts. I mean, even though I didn't know anything else and was still quite young, I knew, I was like, this is not what college is supposed to be like. I am sure of it. And this is not fun. And yeah, I kind of started acting out a little bit. And just ultimately, I just came to know through being at the church school that dedicating my life to this was not what was going to make me happy. I just came to just fully, fully know it. And, it, you know, it does still surprise me to this day because I had no examples of people leaving around me at all. I'm, but, I'm surprised hearing this, like <laughs> the, the way that you were raised and how strict it was, the mm -hmm. fact that you had such a natural curiosity and a deep understanding that this was not for you and that you did something about it is truly incredible. Thank you. Um, I think there's still parts of it that I don't even understand except for that I was very unhappy. You know, I had started mm -hmm. taking antidepressants. Like I said, I was self-harming and I just, I was in such a black hole that I guess I just, I knew that I had to climb out of it, but I also knew that it was being, you know, so immersed in that culture and that it wasn't for me, that was kind of causing it too. So I- You're at this school, mm -hmm. miserable, yeah. Yeah. and yes. mm -hmm. because your parents gave you no choice, what, mm -hmm. what did you do yeah. next? Okay, so I do want to say also that I did put in a, an effort, I tell you. I was a year and a half. <laughs> in, yes, yeah. And I was involved in, you know, student council. I did have lots of friends. You know, I really, really tried. And it just, mm -hmm. it wasn't going to happen. It was never going to work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And really, yeah. really. And mm -hmm. um, I think if I had gone to NAU, I, I think I would have thrived. Who knows what would have happened, but this this was never going to to be successful. So mm -hmm. I'm home for um, Christmas break, winter break, my second year. And I was spiraling out of control, like mentally and emotionally. I, I was mm -hmm. such a mess looking back. Yeah, really dark space. And mm -hmm. I did have a job during that time at a restaurant and I was getting to know non-Mormons for the first time. And they certainly seem more relaxed and <laughs> than I was and that the people around me were, I think partially because I was struggling with such intense depression that I was kind of prone to being quite spontaneous and almost, almost reckless. And mm. I just kind of decided one night that I wasn't going to go back and told my parents that they were not happy, but, uh, and then once school started again, I, yeah, I didn't go back. I do have some regrets about that. I didn't even tell like my friends that I wasn't coming back. It, yeah. It's definitely not something that I'm proud of, but I just really knew I had, I had to get out. Yeah. And so, you know, we did go back and get my things. Yeah. My folks were extremely disappointed. I ended up yeah leaving their house very shortly after and still it wasn't completely the end for me where, where did you go I mean like if you're disappointing your parents as much and then you left your parents house like where did you go I it, it's it was yeah kind of a messy situation I just had one of my friends from work like pick me up one night 
and just you know because you know we had gotten in a fight and I just said I was leaving and um, mm. they certainly didn't stop me the I mean the disappointment and the anger that they had towards me for dropping out was I think really hard for them to come to terms with mm. so yeah definitely messy um, so I go and stay with her and my life did kind of spiral for a little bit of course I end up getting fired from the restaurant and <laughs> um, no job nothing definitely was a bit sexually reckless which that's a very common thing for people who leave the church still though I was going to church <laughs> believe it or not I just couldn't fully disengage I just mm. I so at this time in my life I had no idea what my future was going to look like and I guess that was just the one thing I knew was mm. to keep going and that was at least some type of roadmap I guess I just kind of thought things would come together in some way but it was during this time that I ended up meeting the man who I would eventually get married to and this is a huge part of my story (laughs) Uh, because he was not not LDS he had been raised in the same area so um, so I'm from Mesa and outside of Utah it has pretty much the highest um, amount of of Mormons um, outside of the Utah area so certainly he knew Mormons growing up so you know really familiar with with our culture um, and he was super ambitious was you know really had his life together going to college we you know fell in love got into an extremely serious relationship and it was definitely because of his positive influence that I decided okay I'm gonna get back into school but you know, my parents weren't going to support me. So I'm going to, um, you know, get my own place. I'm going to pay for it on my own. And I'm going to get my act together. I still, though, hadn't really left, hadn't resigned. I hadn't even thought it out. Hmm. I just kind of didn't want to go anymore. Once you stop going and you realize that not having the stress and all of the commitment of time (laughs) is very freeing and very relaxing certainly it's you know hard to go back I mean the Sundays alone having that you know um so I just kind of thought I'm just not gonna go anymore the interesting thing is that during this time also of me you know getting my act together getting back into school I had really rebuilt things with my family Mm -hmm. so that looking like going over for Sunday dinners almost every week, you know, at least a few times a month, Mm -hmm. going to all of the events. I still went to church when it had to do with a special occasion. So Mm -hmm. a baptism, a baby blessing. If like I had a family member who was in a performance or something, I I still always went. So Mm -hmm. things were looking really good. And in fact, I would say... I was having the college experience that I had been looking for, mm. getting great grades, getting involved in things, you know, for, at one point got sent to the United Arab Emirates by my college because, you know, I won an essay contest. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're, you weren't just a good student. You were exceptional. It sounds like even, even in high school. Uh, well, you know, that's a, a's and honor feels, like an, is <laughs> feels like an awkward thing to say about yourself, but I was always just ambitious, I, I suppose. 
Yeah. And I wanted to, to excel. Yeah. And I did. And, you know, partially I had just gotten to a better place. I, I think just having the, the control over my life, you know, I still had my ups and downs, but I would definitely say just absolutely thriving and a complete 180 from where I had been at BYU. And like I said, still in full contact with my family, very involved and very naive. I don't even know what I was thinking, looking back, honestly. There was no example of anyone who had just decided to not go to church and everyone was, you know, still supportive and on good terms. For whatever reason, I just kind of thought it was all going to work out. I, I don't even know. I never remember sitting down and thinking, like, what does this mean for my salvation? What does this mean for the relationship with my family? I just knew I was happy and just went with it. That's so. that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That is again exceptional because there's a lot riding on on your religion, obviously. Well, but, yes, and there's well, there's more. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but what I'm what I'm seeing is like mm-hmm. is this like drive in you that knew deeply that you could not survive in the environment you were in so much so that you went after what would work, even if you didn't know the plan, which is incredible. Well, and maybe it's what you just said. Maybe it was just this survival mode kicked in, I suppose could be because like I said, I have tried to go back and think what it was in me that, you know, gave me the, the courage. And I don't fully know, except that, you know, like I said, my mental health was, um, just completely spiraling out of control so yeah maybe maybe that's all maybe it was what I just needed to do to survive that's you that's you thanks allowing yourself to do that like listening to your body when you couldn't have words or explanation for it mentally that's intuition possibly which is so cool yeah thank you um the support of my my partner certainly um helped a lot we're not together anymore but I think that I met him at the time that I needed to meet him and you know having someone stand by me through all of this and the part of the story I'm about to tell you made made all the difference all the difference for sure I Mormon women I wouldn't say are really raised to be that self-reliant and so I would say had I not had him I'm I'm not sure all of this would have happened I I would almost say it it wouldn't Mm. so it was during this time that I did ultimately decide to resign. I find this to be the juicy part. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I really like that um, you are, you're impressed with what I've told you so far, but this part, <laughs> I think it gets really good. All right, tell me. <laughs> so it's during this time. And like I said, I was on a path, you know, to get my bachelor's. I studied uh, English lit in college. And uh, as you get closer to graduation, you are required to specialize, yeah. lit being obviously quite, quite broad. <laughs> sure. And so you're, you pick a specialization. It was very, very natural for me to pick women's lit as my specialization. I mean, that was always what I liked reading the most. <laughs> so to meet the requirements, I start taking women's studies classes. Mm-hmm. And oh my God. <laughs> It was like the world opened up. It was definitely <laughs> like cloud parting moment in my life, learning about, you know, feminism and women's studies. And I got extremely enthusiastic about my studies and also um, 
still in the quite naive aspect, you know, I was very open about what I was studying when I went to Sunday dinners, definitely would talk about it, not really realizing <laughs> the potential uh, pitfalls in doing so. Because one <laughs> night, my parents tell me that they would like to come and visit me. Never done that before. <laughs> never not even <laughs> nothing like that because they are they're on a date night and they want to come and see me as part of their date night okay I thought it was weird but I you know that was all I mean I guess it could have been true what did I know so they come over and we're just chatting and they basically in the middle of our conversation say we don't like the women's studies classes that you're taking and you no longer have any financial support from us to pay for your schooling. I had a, a trust that I was drawing okay. from my tuition. So I was paying all of my expenses, but I was using the trust to pay for my tuition. That being set up for me by my great grandparents when I was a baby. So mm -hmm. we always had the agreement that we would have all our expenses paid for, but only if I went to BYU. Okay. So because I wasn't, I paid for my expenses, but I still use that money. And they said, you are cut off from this day forward you're not getting another dime from it and basically like that's that like best of luck figuring it out this I I just found it and still to this day just so shocking because I was well over halfway through my program I was happy I was succeeding I was you know being a good daughter and you know to just completely sabotage everything that I was working so hard for because of yeah taking some women's studies classes obviously going against some core tenets of the faith and the role of women um wow. so they left and I you wow. know I remember asking them you know what should I do <laughs> like I'm not going to drop out of school and how I'll old are you never... at this point oh young still uh yeah 22 21 yeah that's so young I agree <laughs> and I will never forget um kind of you know trying to make a case for myself um and saying yeah. you know I, I'm in the middle of my program like how am I going to pay for this and my dad saying I don't know what to tell you just cold as ice <laughs> I suppose by this point they probably knew that I was out of the church for good and also that it was just not in their control. And see, that's the mm -hmm. thing is because I wasn't living at home. I had my own place. I had my own car. I had my own job. And they didn't, they didn't have any say or control over anything that I was doing, except for that they did um, have control uh, over the money. Uh, I see. And so it was kind of like the one thing that they could do. But no, they didn't say, if you move back home, you can have access to it again or anything. And I, I don't know, I haven't asked them why. It could possibly just be that they knew I wouldn't. Hello everyone, Christina Carlson here. If you've left your religion behind and feel uncertain what your direction or purpose is now, or if you're feeling like you're having trouble accessing your personal power and getting in touch with your intuition, I would love to chat with you. I'm a life coach and I specifically work with people who have left religion to find their purpose and reconnect with themselves. Please click the link in the show notes to learn more or just head to christinaMcarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. 
um, I was kind of living with my partner already at that point. And I think, you know, they kind of understood that too. And yeah, maybe they just thought it wasn't, you know, be fruitless. Mm. So they leave and I, I'm shocked and I'm bawling and yeah. it was right there maybe, um, that I just started thinking more constructively about the faith mm. because I knew that it was because I wasn't in the faith anymore and because I was studying things that they probably found challenging and confronting to their beliefs that they were doing this and also I knew who their bishop was at the time who was the same bishop I had growing up who was I wouldn't say the kindest most loving man <laughs> and I know all growing up he definitely made a real point in making it known that you know parents have to take a hard line with their kids and you know that there's consequences for you know not not following the the standards and that it's perfectly okay you know to do things like cutting people off and not being supportive of people who leave and so I I understood that they were probably have getting either pressure or validation from their leaders to do this to me and it was something that they definitely did to me and mm -hmm. I just started thinking for the first time there is no love in a religion that supports a parent doing this to their child who is happy yeah. you know this is wrong mm -hmm. and I don't want to be a a part of this anymore even on paper you know like mm. this is fundamentally unkind it's fundamentally sabotaging to my happiness it's you know really deliberate it's really unnecessary it's you know very very and I just thought I've got to you know completely remove myself from this it was for the first time ever that I actually started reading about the history of the church and some books that we growing up were told was anti-Mormon literature, <laughs> which we're told is as bad as pornography. <laughs> and yes, yes. That's, <laughs> That's a so funny silly. comparison. <laughs> I know, but we're, yeah, we're told looking at this, looking at anti-Mormon literature, it's as bad as looking at pornography. Um, but so I think it was right away that I actually, I went to the library and just started looking around and I checked out a couple of these books that at the time were, you know, a bit scandalous. Um, today, they would be quite common of people writing about their experience coming out of Mormonism. Mm. And so I started reading these books. I started reading about the history of the church. And it was one of these books this woman told her whole story about being a convert to the church and then um, you know, ultimately deciding to leave. And I read the book and then I get to the end of the book and she says that she runs a support group for people who wanna leave the church. And it's like right in my town. I mean, I was in Mesa, so, you know, it's not that remarkable that we had a resource <laughs> like that. Um, but I was like, what? <laughs> like, a support group for people who want to leave this is crazy and I started going and I was really thinking a lot about how do I basically take a stand against um, what's happened and then for the first time ever I 
got the idea to resign. Mm. I kept going to the groups and did resign from the church, which I had never known anyone to do that. Now, as you may know, a lot of people are leaving the LDS church. Um, They've even had mass resignations. But at the time, it it was, you know, just kind of me and this insane thing that I decided to do. And, you know, write, write the letter, go through this whole process to have my name removed. And I did. And it was really crazy. And definitely, oh, I definitely had this sense that I was doing something really wild. (laughs) So (laughs) that, um, I guess, kind of kept me going. I know I was super excited to do it um, because it did just seem just kind of really out there. And yeah, definitely. I did also know at the time that it was quite brave that I was being, you know, very, very courageous and super liberating too. I mean, I was already not going to church and already had decided that it wasn't going to be a big part of my life, but I, I didn't have any other, you know, like action that I could take against it than to resign. And I felt very proud to do it. I mm-hmm. still think to this day that it's a corrupt establishment. I disavow everything about the LDS church. I think they do more harm than good. And I feel still to this day, I'm glad that I did that. That's amazing. I mean, this, your, your whole story is really, and I know we're not even, you know, we're not even to the rest of the story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the journey after, but even just hearing the first part of it, like, I'm so impressed with your, with your natural intuition. And like, I know it in being in an experience like that, it doesn't necessarily feel like, because you're making choices and they seem like, then you feel like you've messed it up or, you know, it was, it didn't go perfectly or whatever, but like through all of these instances where you were like trying this and then moving in one weird direction, or you found a partner that was supportive of you. And you said like, you didn't feel like you would have left without his support. You picked that person. You found that person because you knew that's what you needed at the time. And that's, that's so exceptional to have such a natural intuition, like that you, that you trusted even when it, you had no plan, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Harnessing my intuition is something that I definitely feel is um, part of the success I have today. And I, yeah, I yeah. suppose you're right. I've never thought of it that way. So I appreciate you putting it in those terms. Yeah, Absolutely. What do you feel like is like going forward? What do you feel like has been like the most challenging part of like, you know, creating a life for yourself when you had no examples of any of this before? Well, it has definitely been challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not going to lie. So (laughs) I think 100% it's not having the structure, not having the roadmap, because even though I was fairly young when I left, I had been raised... Um, knowing that I would that I would have this roadmap that I would basically make a lot of the big decisions in life for me Mm -hmm. and so I very much think that I replaced the structure of the religion with my marriage and with my Mm -hmm. relationship I I definitely did you know um, really relied on the structure of the marriage to make the decisions for me for sure yeah when that fell apart, which was v- very sad for me, that it definitely needed to happen. When I no longer had that structure, I was really lost. I was. I mm-hmm. never even fathomed having to figure life out on my own 
because I yeah. left the church, I was already with my partner really when I, when I left, I would say there was a little bit of overlap there. And, mm -hmm. um, I just like everyone, when they get married, never thought that it could crumble. And so I never, yeah. never conceived of having to figure life out on my own. And so when we got divorced, I did unfortunately struggle and flounder for a really long time, tried to rely on other people for housing, for instance, being very reckless, not really thinking long-term, doing things very high risk, <laughs> not thinking them through all of the way, bouncing from place to place, and really never being completely self, self-reliant, never having really the faith in myself that I could be until fairly recently which is, you know, the good part and the good outcome is that eventually I did realize now I'm, you know, well into my thirties by the time I realized this, but I did eventually realize that it was my lack of self-sufficiency that was causing all of the chaos and the drama in my life. So I have been able to do that, but that was definitely the most challenging part of, of leaving. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Hearing you say that is is very relatable because what you were deprived of as a child was the the opportunity to make decisions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because everything was made for you. So it makes absolute perfect sense that when faced with literally decisions for your entire life, you're like, what do I do here? Yeah. Because you were never given the chance. It was all decided for you and said, this is how your life is going to be. And like you said, the plan was there and then the plan got taken away. You had a little bit of a structure with marriage because our, even our general culture society is like somewhat based in this Christian idea of marriage. So you had that kind of a structure mm -hmm. when that's gone. It's like all, all that you were like deprived of in childhood comes back up. And then yes. it's like, where do I get myself worth from? Where do I, where, where do I make decisions from? Like, how do mm -hmm. I hear myself and know what I value and Yep. take care of myself and yeah a hundred percent it was really hard <laughs> and I did a lot of things I regret and I I just I didn't have yeah like I said I didn't have the faith I didn't understand that I could do it on my own I don't know if I even had a desire to do it on my own it just wasn't something that was that was there mm -hmm. yeah what do you feel like is a is a belief that you've developed about yourself that's helped you be where you are today well, that's it, oh, really, is, um, and something I'm still excited about now is this, the self-sufficiency self aspect of it. Mm, um, like you're capable so, of taking care of yourself? Oh, uh, yes, capable of doing everything on my own. <laughs> mm. And it is something that's really, really exciting for me. I mm. am single. I, you know, like to say that I'm passionately single, for this reason is just I have found so much joy out of doing it all on my own. I lived overseas for a number of years, you know, never even had my own place. So and now, you know, there's there's very little that that anyone else, you know, helps or contributes to. <laughs> I do um, yeah. co-host a podcast and I'm very, very, very thankful for, for that. And I don't think I'd even want to continue doing the podcast without my co-host Claire. Um, but other than that, yeah, I've just, you know, taken control of my life, figured everything out 
um, you know, there's still challenges along the way. I'm still dealing with the consequences of some of the bad choices I made during, you know, the interlude, but it's, it's brought me, you know, the peace and the stability and the happiness that, you know, was always waiting for me once I got to this point. Mm. Ah, that's so beautiful. It was always waiting for you because it, because it was, yeah, like, it was. you were always going to be here. And like, I love that you said earlier when you were at the, um Brigham Young University and you were miserable as fuck you said this was never going to work for me and you're right it wasn't because you were you were born curious and desiring an experience that you had had no touch with somehow you knew that what you wanted before you even saw it which is which is incredible it was never going to work for you this was always going to work for you and you got yourself here Eventually, eventually, yes. And I, you know, I do, I do feel proud. I've got an apartment I love, a life I love, work I love. Um, so it's, you know, something I have a lot of, a lot of pride in. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, there sure. was, I mean, the road, the map getting here was <laughs> crazy. Definitely, you know, not a straight line, not a curvy line. It was, yeah. Also, <laughs> not, not, not a line at all. I mean, there was parts of complete breaks in them. <laughs> all part of my story but yeah it did did take a while and I yeah I do think it was it was because of how I was raised but oh absolutely I mean you're fighting you're fighting a complete lack of education around how to develop and you had to do that on your own later it's like Mm -hmm. taking yourself through child development in your 20s and 30s in some ways yeah (laughs) it's a lot I mean even things like you know very very basic money management yeah for sure yeah or emotional management oh yeah that's that (laughs) you know like coping Mm. skills like Mm. that kind of stuff yes yeah um I do have one final question for you before I let you go and um that is what what advice would you give to someone who is has left the Mormon church and Mm. is wanting to do something with their life they don't know what yet like trying to figure out where to go from here since you as a person who has been there what advice would you give that person well I think advice that I'd give to anyone who's leaving any high demand religion would to first just know that you're going to be making sacrifices for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say take for granted that the relationships you have with the people who are still in it are most likely going to forever change. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, and it's accepting that that is going to make it a lot easier as far mm-hmm. as just how to leave. And it's been pushing against that. That's been one of the causes of suffering for me. So mm-hmm. just try and accept that. And then as far as what you're going to do with your life, I would say just take things slow don't make any huge decisions and just um, try one thing. If it doesn't work, try another and just, you know, try and build the faith that you have in yourself to, um, mm-hmm. to get there in the end, I suppose, like I did. Yeah. And if it's hard, which I would assume it's going to be to just um, stay the course, stay positive. Um, like I said, have faith and yeah. <laughs> I kind of ended on a, a bit of an unarticulate note, but yep. No, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> and also just, you know, hang in there and good luck. And if it seems overwhelming, it's um, because it is, and you don't have to figure out everything today. 
Yes, yes. You don't because you'll have tomorrow and your own journey is so, so unique. Thank you. I'm, you know, I yeah. love talking about it. When I first left, you know, I really looked forward to um, telling people about my experience and because of, you know, everything that happened in my life, I never, you know, really got to that point. And so I've, you know, enjoyed this conversation and enjoy telling people about it. I think that this is a journey that a lot of people are on right now because so many people have decided to leave the LDS church. So, you know, yeah. hope it helps. And yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about my life coaching services. If you are someone who is feeling uncertain about your purpose now that you've left religion or uncertain uh, about your personal values and struggling with your personal identity now that you have left, I would love to talk with you. I love working with people to help them understand their body's intuition and trust their own yes and no and figure out who they are now that they have the freedom to do so. It can be such an exciting and exhilarating experience and also a scary one, which is why I think support can be incredibly helpful. I am very gifted in helping people see what they are good at and what they are gifted in doing and contributing to the world. So if that sounds like you, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to ChristinaMCarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. You can schedule a free discovery call and we can talk about what we can work on together. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Religious Renegade podcast. Please like and subscribe to hear more. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Christina Carlson Life Coach. Thank you.